Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian. Uh, sadly, not joining us this week is your co-host, Jim. He is, I believe, on a cruise. Is that right? Am I remembering that correctly? That, that, is, that is correct, yep. Where is he cruising? I don't even... I didn't even... He didn't, he didn't really tell me anything. What's he, going on? He's in the Bahamas, baby. Whoa. Okay, that's pretty awesome. Good for him. Uh, well, also joining us is your co-host, Hunter. Brian, let me tell you something. Wow. If the moon was made out of <laughs> would you eat it? Hell, I would. I'd eat the whole thing. Hey! I'd eat all of it, and then I'd shit it out. No, I'm kidding. Um, sorry, excuse the language. It just kind of flowed. Um, also joining it's us... It's been one of those days, Brian. It's been <laughs> one of those days. <laughs> also joining us is your co-host, Spaz. Hello. And uh, joining us from our neighbor to the north, uh, Canada, in Edmonton, Alberta, the head of Star Trek Interactive, Jeff Graw, uh, with us here today. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for joining us. Jeff is here to talk about Dominus Galaxia, uh, which we're going to get to in a second. But a little bit of news, a little bit of bookkeeping before we start. The big news today, Mobile Stellaris was just announced as of today. Um, what's it called? Stellaris Command or some such nonsense? Uh, mm-hmm. Don't you all have phones? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think this is... I'm never going to play it. I don't play Stellaris anyway, but I'm not going to play it on my phone. I would never play Stellaris on my phone. You know? Well... I think I think there was a conversation that happened earlier in our Discord that was kind of echoing to the point that I actually agree with, which is like, it mobile mobile gaming is an interesting like direction to take things in because on one hand you have a younger generation who is growing up with it and is kind of all over it, and mm. you have you have marketplaces where like a, a lot of the younger generation will have mobile phones but they don't necessarily have computers or consoles or any of those kinds of things and someone was pointing out that like occasionally they'll play command and conquer whatever that thing is on on mobile you know it's like at most at most i'm i'm sitting in front of it for like 15 minutes and i thought about that too because i play a couple little mobile games here and there usually when i'm doing my morning routine if you know what i mean and it's kind of like I, I've only got like five minutes. You know, I'm only going to look at this for like maybe 10 minutes at most. You know, I'm not sitting down to play like hour long play sessions unless like I'm on a flight somewhere. And typically, I'm not going to be using my phone to play games while, you know, while traveling. Typically. You know, that's why, you know, like, so that's, the, but that's me. And I can definitely see like a market for, for this for somebody. It's just not. It's just not most of us, I would I would assume here. No, uh, I don't really game on my phone. I like hardly ever game on my phone, and if I do, it's like solitaire or mahjong or something like something really right. simple and quick. It's like I have three seconds. No, if I'm on my phone, I'm reading Twitter or reading Reddit or reading a forum or checking our Discord or you know. Right. Or all this. I'm not. I I have a computer to play. It's it's hard for me. It's like I play games on this beautiful 27 inch, you know, monitor, and then it's like, oh, you want me to play a game on this little 
okay. Well, it's, it's, what's interesting about like that, and then and then this kind of bleeds into like the Stadia and remote gameplay and streaming gameplay is you have a whole community of people who are commuters, right? They're mm. they're public trans they're they're public oh, transportation that's a good folks, point. right? That's a good point. Yeah. Um, you know, Spaz works from home, if I'm not mistaken. And, yeah. uh, Brian, you currently work from home, but you 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 know you did commute. I commute to work. You know, so I but I don't use public transit, right? So I can definitely see the appeal for people who are you know sitting on trains or buses or whatever for like an hour in the morning. They you know they they're looking for something to do, maybe watch a YouTube video or play a game. So yeah, I'm not I'm not. There is yeah, a market for this. There, there totally is a market. I just don't understand it, nor am a part of it. Well, <laughs> well, the, what's funny is, is recently I picked up uh, like an adapter that connects. It's like a it's like a, a a clamp that holds my phone and connects to my Xbox controller, and Ooh. so like I can sit and play games on my phone. Like, oh, that'd be nice. That me, well, I haven't. I do a lot of in-home streaming because I stream games like while I'm at home. So, like, right. you know, if I, you know, if I had a, a bad case of the nachos, you know, I I can continue to play Halo while I'm taking care of business because I have an app on my phone that lets me do that. But you know, I mean, there's a use case for everything. But That's I also fair. like tinkering with technology. So That's fair. I, I I do dabble, but I mean, when you're when you're talking about long gameplay sessions, it's not going to be. Uh, this is not but, but, the solar empire sort of well, gameplay. Where and you're going to be sitting there for a while. Yeah. Right. And mobile's designed differently. Mobile's not designed for necessarily long gameplay sessions anyway. Um, so I'm, I, I think, I think people need to give them the benefit of the doubt and just wait till it comes out because, because it's not for everybody. Right. And it's not like it's the next installment of Stellaris per se. This isn't like Stellaris two on your phone. Oh God. You know, this isn't like, yeah. this isn't like, like Diablo four on your phone. Right. The, the other thing worth mentioning is they really haven't put out much information about it yet. And there has been some backlash we've noticed, but people should really temper their expectations. Because if this is just a side thing and not the next thing, if they're not dropping their mm, main... That's a good point. The, the main franchise, the main part of the franchise, in order to pivot to mobile, then... Which they're not. A, which they're not. Then where is the problem? It's another right, yeah. people who have phones and use them regularly for gaming. That's a good right. point. Yeah, that's, good that's, point. that's kind of my stance on it, too. Yeah, it's it's interesting how some PC developers have moved almost entirely to mobile. Like the guy who made um, the Evercron games, uh, he's moving pretty. Yeah, much but to he's mobile. also but he's also a single developer though, right? Yes, he is a single developer. Yes, just I I I can but you see I can I can understand that move though. You know what I mean? Like the the market is ripe right now for the mobile development scene when you can make almost as much if not more on a single app for a mobile device than you were making for your very niche PC. More people have mobile devices than they do a PC. Yeah. And they're just getting more powerful. That's, just, that's my thought. Yeah. Well, that's the sort of uh, tension point I suppose is that if you go for a specific niche, it's easier to market to it. If you go more broad, then you have a larger possible install base, but, you're competing with so many other properties for their attention. 
Right. Yeah. That's true too. And you only know you only really know about the mobile games that make it big. You don't know about the ten others for every one that just don't go anywhere either. Um Although I, I somewhat disagree with the sort of five minute thing, because I know that there are uh, there are quite a few actually successful mobile games out there that try and demand a lot of time. Um, mm. I generally dislike those, like the Clash of Clans, those sort of things. People are playing those for long, long, long periods of time, not just five minutes at a time necessarily. And a lot of them are designed that way, where they have you know timers that you need to check every thirty minutes to get a reward. Well, I have a question about that. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious to know what the if there's a way to find out, and there might not be. But I've I have recently come into the understanding of um, Android emulators for the PC mm. that can that fully work and that can run multiple instances of an Android session, like BlueStacks, like BlueStacks that apparently can fully run these games and can and connect online. Yeah, you know, I'm 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 wondering about that audience, how much there is there. That's that is interesting. I haven't done it myself, but I know multiple people who have done it. So if that's any indication, it's probably not insignificant. Not nearly as much as the guys running it on their phones, though I imagine, but it's there. Right. Well, moving on to oh. moving moving on to an actual yeah, good forex. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wait. Which, which was the bad forex? We which talking is not. About. I don't like Stellaris. I'm just going to be oh. perfectly frank. Okay. I don't like Stellaris. I haven't liked it from the beginning, and well, I still. I like it, I, I well before before we jump into Jeff's game real quick. Okay. Yeah. I will say. I will say. That Jim and I took a dive the other night into the latest build of Stellaris to try and check out what mm-hmm. has come since we played it probably over a year plus ago. Yeah, and I'm I'm happy I'm happy to report that it is a lot better than it has ever been. Really? Um, they have changed so many of the way the systems function, especially to, especially with planetary and sector stuff. Where you don't even manage or deal with sectors anymore, at least not from what I've seen. What? It's all, it's all like handled in the background for you. It's like a background hmm. mechanic. Um, and like I, well, at least when I was when I was touching it, like when we were playing it, like it, I, I had I had planets in different sectors, but I wouldn't I wouldn't have known any different. Um, and it didn't affect anything else. Like it was just like. It's almost like sectors became constellations. It's like this planet you own is over in this yeah. constellation. You know, this planet over here is, you know, these planets over here are part of this sector, this constellation over here. And it was interesting because, like, I didn't have to manage that, like, thing. I didn't have to, like, open up a, um, a sector's window and manage my sector. Like, it's just, like, I never mm. touched it. So, um, yeah. That's that's interesting. When I played Stellaris, it was a while back. I didn't really take to it, but the, I guess um, the way that they're doing it in this sort of like, um, you know, uh, iterative fashion where they just keep going back and revisiting the gameplay systems, I really, it, and you know, some people say that they like certain things better in previous versions, but for myself. I really appreciate that, and it's not something you see very often, and it's commendable that they keep trying to make the game better. 
Yeah. So while yeah, so I was really surprised by that. And it was also the smoothest gameplay session that we ever had. Like the mm. game didn't crash on the game didn't start lagging on us. Um it was challenging but not overwhelming. Um there it just it was interesting. Like it it, it was it was the best experience I've had with Stellaris to date. And I'm actually curious about, you know, getting back into I I would honestly recommend checking it out again just to kind of see where it's at and what you think because all right um, especially especially uh, you Brian yeah fine that's interesting I guess I'll get the expansions and <laughs> blah 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 and try well, it out I guess I mean I mean it's uh, felt like two or three different games by this point just well, that, with how, yeah. how much they've changed on so the maybe, other hand I also understand g- they've been making these changes in order to make the game better overall Eh, so that's fair although the one thing that seems like it's a little bit more of a concession and maybe a step backwards is changing from multiple different ways to move fleets around to just the star lanes since that was interesting when sort of the stars did it and uh, maybe it had some problems and i don't know i think sort of maybe suspect that sorry god sorry yeah oh I also sort of suspect maybe those some of those performance improvements uh, you saw with the smoother gameplay, maybe some of that's due to doing away with that system, where now you don't need to do pathfinding multiple different ways, and you know you can do a little bit of shortcuts with the star lanes because you have fewer nodes going to fewer places. Um, well, and that and that actually made the mechanic interesting because I had my borders cut off by a different faction. And I couldn't explore out until I like resolved my differences with that faction. Just intellectually curious, um, with a new system, can you travel outside the star lanes at a reduced speed, or is it? Are, are you? I completely... was not. I was not seeing any other mode of travel other than okay. star lanes. Yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting debate people have about those. Well, there there. I think you can traverse wormholes if you respawn. Right. If Which... you find a wormhole. Which are basically just long starlings. Yes. Don't <laughs> <laughs> fair. Mm. It, it's kind. Of, it's kind well, of a shame that maybe I guess that it's kind of a shame that hardly anyone beside beyond sort of the stars really nailed that multi-transit dynamic. They they nailed it in that game. They did. And uh, your game is trying that too. Let's 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 well, segue in, into your game because I saw I saw that happen. Well, it's I a little saw, bit different. I saw that happen today while I was playing. I I was playing a race that had to use star lanes, and I ran to a race that didn't. <laughs> oh, I can actually explain that. You're actually seeing something a little bit different. Oh, than okay. What you think you're seeing. Then what um, am I seeing? So you so in Dominus Galaxia, first of all, since we're talking about star lanes, I always need to do this qualifier. Because a lot of people really don't like star lanes. So I need to do the qualifier here that you can play without star lanes. It's an optional advanced gameplay feature. So you can play just like Massive Orion 1, or you can connect things with star lanes. Uh, But when you connect everything with a star lane, you can also travel outside the star lane network. Uh, This happens at a reduced speed. Right now it's 25% speed. Um, but you can also change it like not in, I haven't exposed it in game, but there's like a little variables file and you can change a whole bunch of mechanics and formulas and everything in there. And one of the things that you can change is the star lane, uh, deficit. So you could actually set it to like, uh, 
instead of like four, you could set it to 0.25 and then travel outside the star lanes would be faster than travel inside of it. So you could do interesting stuff like that. <laughs> but um, uh, the, the interesting thing about this is that this is maybe one of the, one of my weaknesses. Sometimes I just get an idea and I just start doing something on a whim because I think it's cool. Um, less, 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 um, less like that more often. Now I'm a lot more focused on just, you know, getting all the core remaining stuff in. And so I can slap 1.0 on it when, when it gets to that point. But one, one day I decided, you know what, I bet I could do star lanes. Uh, I'll just do it the same way as uh, I do the rest of the terrain, uh, which is you have various things like slow nebula that tra- that slows you down when you pass through it. And I'm saying, you know what? What if I just make the game basically think that there's slow nebula everywhere except for between the worlds with star lanes? Uh, so internally, yeah. it all works the same. It's just that the geometry of space has been kind of warped in this odd way. And then you just put the star lanes visual. But the artificial intelligence, it, it has no concept of here's a star lane or here and here's not a star lane. It just thinks, hey... I have this star system. It's connected to all these other star systems, and these are the distances. Now, the uh, the uh, bad slash good thing about that is that that was actually pretty easy for me to implement, but it ended up uh, exposing a whole bunch of really weird edge cases just because of the weird geometry where things didn't quite work the way that you'd expect them to. So I ended up spending more time fixing those than I did actually implementing the star lanes themselves. Which is bad because it took a long time, but it's good because I'm fixing issues even if they're very rare otherwise. Right. So for folks who aren't fully aware, um, we're talking about a game called Dominus Galaxia. It is Thank curr- you. It is currently in Kickstarter, and unlike 95% of the space uh, 4X games out there, it's not trying to emulate Master of Orion 2. Because Jesus Christ, they're all trying to fucking... Emulate Master of Orion 2. Every goddamn one of... No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I get really tired of it. Um, excuse my language. But you're you're leaning more toward what if Master of Orion won? What if the Master of Orion series kind of went, stayed in that direction of Master of Orion 1, but had more stuff? And I got to say, I like that because... I played Master of Orion 2 first. Yeah. Uh, I never played... The, I didn't play the first one for a long time. And when I played the first one, I'm like, why aren't more people copying this? this sort is of the so, stars did, to an extent. To an extent, And it's yes. a classic. Yeah. yeah. It's such an elegant system. It's it's not fiddly. It, it's... Uh, some people think it... I guess some people think it's too simple, but it isn't. Because you still have a lot to juggle. It's you have just, a lot to juggle. It's I I I I'm gonna go back around to that, but I'll let you continue. I have but, some I have some things to say about the streamlining. Oh please, but it's still like such an efficient and wonderful system that just just works so well. And I well, gained a, yeah, I, and I gained a lot more respect of it after starting to read the um, the massive folks. If you haven't read the strategy guide for the original Master of Orion, which is like 500 pages of amazing, not just strategy for a game, but it's like a treatise on game 4X design, basically. 
And it's an amazing read. Even if you never play Master of Orion, it's worth finding a copy of that book because it's astounding. It's an astounding read. And I just gained so much more respect for the game after reading that too. Um, I haven't even finished reading it. It's so bloody big. <laughs> it's so bloody. Have you read that book? Of course I've read that book. I, I think figured. it's only like 330 pages, but also it's, like just to, just since you mentioned it, it's an amazing read, but it's also full of little issues as well. Oh, um, it gets you kind of close to the, to like what's happening in the background, but a lot of the stuff is either subtly or sometimes less subtly off, but it's still an amazing read. Oh, amazing read. Like it. it Absolutely. It. Yeah. So what were you going to say about streamlining you? Let's let's. Uh, yeah, sure. Well, first I'll say that with master of Orion one, it's a lot of it is that it, it's bigger than the sum of its parts. And that's not always the case for 4X games. Sometimes uh, it ends up being a bit less than the sum of its parts. But with Master of Orion 1, it's kind of like all the systems with the, sh- the ship design, the research, colony management, everything, combat, everything just sort of comes together in a cohesive way where everything's sort of uh, supporting uh, every other piece and sort of uh, elevating it upwards with the maybe potential... Uh, possible exception of spying, which tends to be a little bit obscure. There uh, are a bit so, of a black box. Sorry to interrupt, but, but there are flashy at the moments. Sorry, go ahead. I'm gonna say, like, spying is one thing very few games get right. So yeah. that's really not its fault. Like, I can think of maybe one or two games where I thought spying was done well. Both of the Federation. Oh, I was thinking that's uh, a good one. Yes. Uh, I, yeah. No, I was thinking uh, Seven Kingdoms. Interstellar Space Genesis is pretty good, too. That is a good one. That's I was also one. thinking Seven yeah. Kingdoms. Uh, okay, Seven I haven't Kingdoms played that games. One. Oh, my God. Those are probably my favorites. Also, Imperium Galactica 2 had an excellent uh, spying mm. mechanic. But beyond that, most of the time, spying is just, oh, plus one to catching another spy. Oh, there's a 10% chance that they might get a... <laughs> they might yeah. find a technology. It's like so boring. And well, this is going to be a huge tangent here, but go ahead. I, I, we we I, love I tangents. That we expect this to happen. Uh, but for Dominus Galaxia, I've only pretty recently put in the spying system and I probably would have liked to put a little bit more polish into it before the Kickstarter. It's just that I didn't really have the money to do it. So I had to get the Kickstarter done then and there. Sure. Um, but uh, there are a few interesting things. Uh, namely, there's a there's a relationship there between, um, I guess you, you you know like the love nub in Mash of Ryan one that sort of tells you your relationship value with uh, other people. Excuse me. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like you're neutral or you're despised or you're in harmony that sort of thing. Um, so there's. I'll, I'll, I'll try and start at the beginning here, is that uh, Indominus Galaxia, that doesn't represent how the AI feels about you. What it represents is how each empire feels about one another. And it's driven by external events. And the reason for doing that is because um, the relationship modifiers or relationship values in most Forex games kind of feel like a one-way street uh, where, you know, if you're playing multiplayer with a human the relationship value doesn't matter. 
Um, and if you're playing against an AI, it sort of constrains the AI to maybe work in ways that aren't in its best interests. But um, by having the relationship uh, modifier or value, I should say, in Dominus Galaxia, be representative of how each per- how each uh, empire as a whole feels about each other, we sort of can free ourselves from that abstraction and do some cool things like, uh, for example, if you have a higher relationship with uh, an enemy rate or with another empire, Dominus Galaxy, like you're attacking their enemies, you have a trade treaty, you have an alliance, neither of you are really spying on one another or blowing up each other's ships in little border skirmishes, then you will have a higher yield rate on your trade and research treaties. But at the same time, you become more vulnerable to one another's spies. And if you have a low relationship value, the opposite happens. And based on that, then the idea is that you can have a more liberated AI that instead of just saying, I'm supposed to like this person because the relationship value tells me to, can think, well, my empire likes this person. They aren't spying on me, and I'm getting a good yield on my treaty. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay in these guys' good graces. And you're sort of have the AI, hopefully, and we. And to be fair, it's not quite there yet in Dominus Galaxia. It it, it does use it as a little bit of a, um, how do I feel about this person value more than it maybe should, at the moment, but. But the ideal is that then that the AI is reacting to the effects of that relationship, not the relationship itself, at least at the higher difficulty levels when it's less important for it to role play. Um, but in any case, uh, the espionage or the spying system for Dominus Galaxia is basically uh, you can put spies into an enemy uh, empire through spending. You don't like... But you're talking about thousands of spies, you not just one or two spies that you make oh. um, in a turn. And you can also set defensive goals in terms of uh, uh, allocating towards prevention to like uh, basically harden your systems in detection so that you can better trace who is responsible for uh, the various going-ons that are happening in your empire through other spies. Uh, now... With the spying system, these spies that you have, they can be geared towards espionage or sabotage. And every once in a while, they'll come up to you and say, hey, there's this mission that we can go on. And then you set uh, various parameters to basically um, tell them what what's important, what they should focus on. You can add some uh, stimulus to have the mission complete faster. Uh, you can decide whether you want them to be more stealthy, harder to detect, or whether you want them to more focus on getting the job done at any cost. You can decide if you want to try and frame another empire, or if you and if you do that, everything becomes a little bit more difficult, but there's a chance that you can frame somebody else at the end and maybe hurt their relationships with uh, other empires. And then you send that off, and then you wait uh, a certain amount of turns. It's actually somewhat random turns, so it might be between four and eight, and eventually you get a report back, or they get caught, or, you know, stuff like that. But um, right now, it's a little bit too much of a black box, um, because it's something that I very recently, very and very quickly uh, put in. But the system itself is very flexible. 
So even though there's only really two different missions right now, which is blow stuff up or steal technology, <laughs> I can do a lot of cool stuff with it. Uh, so uh, internally, the way that the spy ops work is that you have various different options that you can pick. So steel technology is a spy op, and then you have categories like propulsion or um, you know construction weapons, etc. But theoretically, I could make uh, a different spy op and then have categories that have very little to do with one another and could be more like a multiple choice, pick your poison, uh, which which way should we go? Do, do we want to um, try and steal plans for this ship to make us make it so that we have like a, our, our weapons do more damage against this design? Or do we want to try and blow up uh, the shipyard that we've infiltrated and that that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of different things that I can do. Everything's basically very not very hard coded. It's all sort of based on a whole bunch of delegates. Um, and going forward, I hope that I can do lots of sort of unique, interesting stuff, even though right now it is a bit more bare bones. Well, it's still, I mean, it sounds awesome. I mean, it yeah, sounds that, awesome. It does yeah. sound awesome. It, it hopefully will be will be more awesome in the future. Right now, I'm not uh, totally satisfied with it, though. Right, but you're in. I mean, you're calling it a beta, but is this actually a beta or is it an alpha? Like, where it's a you? beta. I mean, okay. I've been I've been doing this for about four and a half years. It's a beta. <laughs> so, going back in the history a little bit, you merged with um, the that what was that other game Beyond 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 Bayon. Beyond, beyond, beyond is that like Duran Duran? <laughs> yes, I couldn't. <laughs> I, I always that that second word always throws me. Beyond Bayon, and so it's what's his name? Is it Brett? Brent? 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 Brent Patterson. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. Are you working with him he on is. this? Are yes, you, I am. Oh, uh, that's so great. Basically, I started doing my own for. Well, uh, going back to the beginning, actually. Yeah. Before I started work on my own 4X game, I was interacting with Brent a little bit through his blog for his Beyond Bane game. And I'm basically being an annoying person saying, you should do this design and this design and this design because these are these are cool designs. Don't follow your – make my game for me, right? Um, eventually, that a, a number of years later, I ended up uh, leaving my – job because I'd saved up a whole bunch of money and I decided, I, I think I just turned 30 or something. And I decided, you know, I, or no, I, I turned 28, I was, but I, but 20, 30 was on the horizon. And I was thinking, uh, I don't want to dispatch ambulances for the rest of my life. Uh, I, I, I need something that's more intellectually and creatively fulfilling. So I quit my job, started doing Learning uh, the the Unity engine, I did a little bit of computer science in college, but you know, some of that stuck. So a lot of stuff I had to relearn. A lot of stuff I had to learn for the first time. Uh, and I eventually start, said, you know, why don't I do a forex game? Which was a terrible idea because forex games are super difficult, and I'm lucky that I've gotten as far as I have. But I worked a little bit on a forex, uh, my own forex game, sort of similar to Massive Orion. I randomly was like. Oh yeah, I remember that Brent dude. I'm gonna show off my game to him, and he's like, "This is great. This looks so great. We should merge our efforts with your graphics and my uh, stuff. Then we can we can take over the world." Uh, of course, actually, at this point, the game was 
totally ugly, but Beyond Bayon was never a good looking game either, even if it was kind of had its own rustic charm. Um, so, you know, I, I said, yeah, sure. And that was that. And then we started working on it. And over time, uh, it's Brent has taken on more of a background role, uh, just more real life stuff. So it's it's not a fully solo project, but at the moment, I'd say that I'm something like 90% of the development effort. Um, but uh, it's it's also possible that Brent might uh, one day, you know, decide that he could spend a bit more time on it, and that'd be cool as well. But yeah, that's sort of how it came, uh, came to be. That's kind of an awesome story. I've been talking to uh, Brent for years. I wish I could have him on the podcast, you know, but... You know, guy's deaf. <laughs> yep. That that makes it a little bit more difficult. I'm sure. I'm sure. So you've been working on this one for how long now? Uh, I think about four and a half years. Oh, okay. So that was... Long this. time. Too long. I could have made like three mobile games by now. <laughs> I should have, financially <laughs> speaking. But yeah. But uh, the other thing is, you know, I want to release this hopefully pretty soon. Uh, the Kickstarter says September, 2021, but I'm aiming for before the end of 2020. Oh, the reason I do that is because software engineering, it's kind of famous that it's difficult to make projection targets and the error bars always end up running in the worst direction, which is it ends up taking much longer than you thought it would. So the 2021 of September, it's more of an attempt to bake in that goal or to bake in those error bars to try and be honest. I don't want to accidentally mislead people, even if I don't intend to. And for me, I just figured that's a little bit more moral than trying to, you know, give a more liberal estimate of what is going to be done. Um, yeah. Also, sorry, I, uh, that was a tangent. What I was going to say is that uh, to the extent that I can continue like getting support from the game, making it a long seller, and you know at least having enough to pay my living expenses from sales, I'd like to support the game for a long time. Like uh, I wouldn't mind just working on it for like four years after I'm done, just improving it. Uh, it's a little bit of a intellectual exercise that I do sometimes. Like, what if Kerberos had just kept making sort of the stars better? What oh. would have happened there? It might oh, have. God. It might have actually. It might have worked out. I've uh, contacted Kerberos, who's a little bit more skeptical. Uh, <laughs> I also should note, should say that Kerberos uh, actually plugged Dominus Galaxy on their forums. That's and great. donated at the hundred eighty-five dollar tier. Wow! So, wow! Yeah. That's awesome. We've actually yeah, had... Sword of the Stars is one of my favorite games. If you're listening and you haven't played it, it's like $10 on Steam, I think. Oh, the God. complete edition. Play yeah. it now. Get the, the complete edition it's, it's is great. one of the finest 4X games you could possibly own. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. No, we, we've had them on the show like twice because we had them on to talk about Sword of the Stars. Yeah. But we also had them on to talk about Homeworld Cataclysm, which was which there. Which is also a great game. Yeah. Well, most, yeah. Somewhat there. Yeah, it's not mostly theirs. Like, it was published by someone else, but it was mostly theirs. Well, the guys from Kerberos broke off from Barking Dog Studios, and yeah. some of the guys who worked on Cataclysm all studios. So it, yeah. it's sort of like, you know, Parallax breaking off into Volition and Outrage. 
Uh, so, right. So you could say that the you could say volition made descent, and to a certain extent, it's true. That's true. That's true. That's a good point. But uh, but yeah, they're they're we're all still upset about Sword of the Stars too. I think I think that's <laughs> I think that's something we're all just because well, it could have been a great game too. Oh, it could have been. Um, it could have been. You you play it. There, and you're like, there are a few things that went wrong. Uh, quite a few. Quite a few. Well, for me, I think maybe what might have saved it is if they wouldn't have tried to make it multiplayer right away. Um, because I'm sure that a lot of effort went into that. And if 20% of their effort went into multiplayer and that 20% of effort of their effort could have went into, you know, making the game good, then you could have done the multiplayer afterwards after you got sales. And yeah, if you don't make the game good, then nobody's going to play it in multiplayer in the first place. Oh God, I know. That said, I, maybe I should... I'm not going to practice what I preach because I'd I'd like to do multiplayer for Dominus Galaxia by launch. I may I can't promise it. It might be after launch. It might be after version 1.0, but it already has hot seat, and okay. that's uh, at least and it's sort of coded with multiplayer in mind for the same reason. So there's a foundation there, and there's this is probably going to be technical, but uh, one thing that I'm planning to do also is to refactor um, a lot of the turn processing. Right now it's very linear. So it's kind of like Empire 1 takes their, or Empire 0, which would be the human in most cases, takes their turn, hits and turn. Then the AI for Empire 1 executes their turn, and then Empire 2 executes theirs, etc. But what I want to do is have everybody take their turn at the same time. And I need to be careful when I say this, because there's a lot of games out there. um, Civilization and multiplayer age of wonders has uh, a game mode that does this and endless space does this for what I think is not a, I can't fathom why they do it. Um, But (laughs) yeah, you have a lot of games where everybody's moving at the same time. Right. So I can move a unit and then I see another, in my turn-based game. And to me, that makes sense when you have hexes because either you go sequential and then you're waiting forever for other people to move or you, you know, you try and do something to, so that if, uh, if you have a movement phase that you can actually intercept one another on a hex grid, but it's all messy. Uh, but if you're doing point to point movement, like in uh, massive Orion or endless space or, or Stellaris, then it doesn't make any sense to me why you don't just have a dedicated movement phase. It's worked. It's worked in the past. It doesn't violate the principle of having a turn-based game or anything. And so I just want to be clear that when I'm talking about everybody taking the same time, I'm not talking about seeing somebody's ships move when you're taking your turn. I'm talking about everybody issues their orders all at once. Uh, when everybody is finished with their turn, then everything gets resolved and then all the units move. So a very strong order of operations. It's a Wego system, pretty much. Right. Why didn't I think of saying that? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and to go along with that, I might try, if I do that, I might try to encapsulate certain things a little bit more uh, robustly. So like instead of also, instead of just having a dedicated movement phase, maybe there's also a dedicated diplomacy phase where everybody interacts with one another. and. In- 
And if you do that, then you sort of keep the different instances uh, where uh, of the empires doing their things basically completely separate from one another so that you have less opportunity for little bugs to arise from timing issues and race conditions when those empires are interacting with each other. The idea is they are only interacting with each other during the turn processing, not while they're taking their turn, if that makes uh, sense. So it might be a, a more phased sort of thing where you have the movement phase, diplomacy phase, yeah, and then exactly. those resolve in a Wego type of thing. Yeah, uh, I may or may not do a diplomacy. Uh, but well, in, in, that, in, in that vein of yeah. stuff that would be going on in the background rather exactly. than just the active Yeah, so basically more of a client-server and I also want to be careful of the way that I say that because the single player for Dominus Galaxy, it's never going to require an internet connection, never going to have DRM. I can make that promise. But uh, internally, a client server type thing where the server is basically holding the true state of the game and then sort of um, distributes that, uh, that state at the start of the turn to all the different empires. They do their they make the orders and submit those to the, the server, which then consolidates everything and does turn processing. At least that would be the idea. And if I can have that very well encapsulated, then it's not necessarily as complicated to implement as you might think it would. And it would be very easy to multi-thread and have everything going in the background. So, and by extension, plus worth the work done with Hot Seat, very easy to have network multiplayer. Right. And and that's going to be a big deal for a lot of people because it always amazes me when I look on a forum for like a single player game and a million people are like, why no multiplayer? Multiplayer question <laughs> mark? It's like, you, you kind of have to do multiplayer in this day and age if you're going to do it right. Like, don't half-ass it at least. But it doesn't sound like you're half-assing it. That's what I'm just saying. Um, yep. yep. It's, it's got to be done right. Don't, don't sacrifice. Don't, like you were saying earlier, don't sacrifice the core gameplay just because you want some multiplayer in there. Yeah, and that's sort of the way that I'm looking at it is it's almost like uh, killing two birds with one stone. So if I do this refactoring on turn processing, it makes networked multiplayer very easy. At least assuming, you know, maybe maybe this version of network multiplayer doesn't have tactical battles because that's something where a lot of communication needs to happen. But um, besides making that network multiplayer really easy, it also makes the turns really fast, makes uh, makes the game more robust, makes it more difficult to introduce bugs. And there's a lot of good reasons to have a very concrete order of operations that everything happens in. Yeah, and and not a lot of four X games use a use a phased system like that. So that would also, uh, I think, Stars is probably the uh, the game yeah. with the with the most stringent operate order of operations. Yeah, God, I, I miss that game. That's I'm still, a classic. I'm still. I'm sad. probably gonna. I might steal some of the concepts from Stars Still Dominus Galactic, there, like the like metal. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Stars had. Yeah. Excuse me. Stars, stars? Master Variant One and Sort of the Stars. Oh. Those those are those games are sort of in their own little category. And they then really there's are. Dominus Galaxy that's trying to and the idea is that Dominus Galaxy is basically gonna be the fourth game here. <laughs> well, it's I'm still sad that uh the sequel to Stars never got like No, the, realized. Yeah, no, that 
Uh, and uh, I don't know. I'm, I think that they tried to find a publisher, but couldn't, which is just flabbergasting. Uh, I mean, they were good. There is such, there is such a huge market for that. There, that's classic, and the design is so great. Well, it was gonna be uh, what was it gonna be? Empire Interactive, if I recall correctly. But like, they oh, were I've never heard of them. Oh yeah, they they uh, they published a lot of flight sims back in the day ah. uh, from Rowan and whatnot. But they also uh, published some games like Ghostmaster and things like that. And uh, but by the time Stars was coming out, they were kind of floundering. I got to see mm. it at E three back in the day. Uh, I actually have the beta on a disc somewhere, but it will not run. Um, but I was blown away by how good it looked. Like, not just it looked good, because especially well, now compared... You're, now you're I, making me very depressed. I'm I'm still depressed about it. I'm still depressed about it, because I wanted this game. Sometimes sometimes there's just things that you, you know, little white lies that you need. Like, yeah, no, no. And it, oh, it was garbage. It looked worse than the original game, yeah, which yeah. Uh, which yeah. already looked pretty bad, because that was Windows 3.1 up the yin-yang. And, uh, I mean, that said, Sword of the Stars 2 looked really awesome before it released as well. Uh, it, uh, um, like I was hyped all I was super hyped for that game I gotta tell you you are entering a very strange uh, pardon the pardon the word space yeah because the <laughs> 4x space especially the space 4x space is a very strange place for for gamers uh, because like everyone wants to be master, just about everyone wants to be master of Ryan two. Everybody wants to be master of Ryan, the next master of Ryan two, but no one can be the next master of Ryan two. I have a theory on that. Oh, please, please, I would love to hear it. Yeah, so I think what uh, what, and I think this is part of it. But everybody says, you know, you can't be master of Ryan two. Wearing these ro- rose colored glasses, and even if you make a better game, nobody's going to think it's better. But I think that's actually not quite the case. And I guess Dumu is a good case study in this. Um, what's a so good case? What's I don't think... Good? Sorry, what's um, a good case study? I just, conquer the Stars. I just call it Dumu. I refuse to oh. call it Massive Orion. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> There's that's, already a Massive Orion. That, uh, that's, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. And it's one of my favorite games. But um, so the way that I like it, Massive Orion 2, is I don't think it's a ways, or at the very least, it's a regression from Master of Ryan One in a lot of ways in terms of the design. There are some things that are absolutely weird, like having a ship designer that is nested inside of the solar system view, uh, then the colony screen, then the build queue. Uh, the, but that's that's pretty minor. But you know, the entire build queue system uh, is bad. It's uh, gets tiring really fast. Uh, and it's almost completely thoughtless. You just have a very specific build that you do. The research system is better than Civilization, I think, but it's still not as good as Mash of Ryan 1 or Sword of the Stars. Yeah, um, agreed. The combat is amazing when you first start out, and then it completely breaks oh, by God. the late game. Oh, my God, it gets so... Even by the mid-game, even by the mid-game, you're like, yeah. oh, God, I'm just going to auto-resolve everything. The, the mid-game, the mid the early game is amazing. The mid-game is not good, and the late game is completely broken. Um, and, I mean, uh, that's a lot... 
a lot of that is what Master Variant Two is. Uh, sending uh, sending tra- sending population to different worlds is really difficult. Um, the 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 way that the economy works is probably worse than Master Variant One. But uh, here's the thing: like, even though I dislike a lot of Master design, it feels the game feels great to play. It draws you into its universe, and it's immersive as heck. And it's sure. just it's just plain fun. And a lot of that, I think, is due to not just... A lot of it's due to the presentation. A lot of it is just all these millions of different intangibles that's coming together. Like in Master Variety 1 and 2, when, like, uh, just even the music design, when you hear, you know, you hear that music when the break, breakthrough happens, it's almost Pavlovian. Yeah. You start salivating... Because you know that a new tech is coming and it's going to be so awesome. Tri- it's so triumphant that music. It's so yeah. like yeah, all right. You know, it's it's so yeah. And, and Master right. Variety yeah. Two is just it's just oozing with style. And what I think ends up happening is uh, we're, we're we end up being biased. Humans reason in more post hoc fashion. Uh, so I'm going to try and actually find this really quick, but there was like the psychological study that was done on split brain patients uh, back in the day. And I think I can find this quickly. Uh, Hopefully. Uh, It's basically just sort of proving the way that humans think about things. Okay, so here here we are. I'm just going to read this verbatim. We showed a split-brain patient two pictures. A chicken claw was shown to his right visual field so that the left hemisphere only saw the claw picture. And a snow scene was shown to the left visual field so the right hemisphere saw only that. He was then asked to choose a picture from an array of pictures placed in full view in front of him, which uh, both hemispheres could see. The left hand pointed to a shovel, which was the most appropriate answer for the snow scene. The right hand pointed to a chicken, which was the most appropriate answer for the chicken claw. Then we asked him why he chose those items. His left hemisphere speech center replied, oh, that's simple. The chicken claw goes with the chicken, easily explaining what it knew. It had seen the chicken claw. Then, oh, sorry, what was interesting was that the left hemisphere did not... Oh, sorry. Then, looking down at his left hand pointing to the shovel, without missing a beat, he said, and you need a shovel to clean out out the chicken shed. Immediately, the left brain, observing the left hand's response without the knowledge of why it had picked that item, put it into a context that would explain it. And that's very interesting from a psychological point of view, uh, which is basically saying that we have uh, these impulses in our that uh, basically make our mind up about things, and then we rationalize them after the fact, post hoc. And uh, that's probably a lot of why we're so politically divided and why even smart people can believe really dumb things, like there are a lot of really smart Nazis, is that we believe things based on, say, an emotional response to something, and then we rationalize why we believe it after the fact. And And this is a giant tangent already, but I think the same thing happens with game design where you have this awesome immersive experience like Massive Variant 2 and that's just oozing with style and it's engaging you on a psychological and a narrative level and you're placing yourself in this game world and you think I'm having so much fun 
and your sort of interpretive center of your brain then thinks because this because this design is great and because all of these things are working good and that you know at the very least you are biased towards thinking that th- these designs in this game that you enjoy are really good and the same thing is true if you have a really designed game that looks like stars you know it's more difficult to see what's happening as something that's really uh, fun and good and well designed so I think that's what a lot of people that are trying to remake Massive Orion 2 are missing for Massive Orion 2. They're trying to remake the mechanics and they're doing it with much worse presentation where it was actually the presentation more than anything that I think made that game hmm. with the new Massive Orion game, Conquer the Stars. And well, there was a couple issues. The first issue is that in a lot of ways they regressed from uh, what Massive Orion 2 was in terms of the gameplay. They somehow, for some reason, used a civilization-style tech tree and movement system, and both of those made the game game worse. Uh, Removing a fuel range and the star lanes, none of that really helped. And the combat, while it didn't have the issues with the late game, was just sort of not very interesting. But the bigger issue was that even though, you know, it was technically apt... It just didn't have that same sense of style and atmosphere, and it just didn't have the same presentation that Master of Orion 2 did. The third thing that sunk it was that because it was so close to Master of Orion 2, it was easy to compare the two. And in that comparison, you know, the, the game didn't hold up that well. Yeah. So I think that they would have been perfectly fine if they would have had uh, a better game that wasn't the vein of Master of Orion 2, or if they had a game that was as good as similar to Master Variety 2 and less easy to compare to. But they sort of got caught up in the middle where they they weren't as good and they were easy to compare. And that's sort of, I think, what sunk that game. The worst of both worlds, so to speak. So to speak, yeah. Or a per, or the perfect storm. Yeah, it's. I'm still upset about that, that new move um, because I think, I think it did some things right. Like, I think it's a good beginner for X, you know, improve like, the colony management. <clears throat> yeah. For Master Variant 2. But like, again, like in Master Variant 2, you go down, much. you on the end, you have this awesome, like landscape and you can see all of your buildings and that's really cool. And the new Master Variant didn't really give you that, uh, feeling of, I guess you could say planetary personhood that, uh, mm. Master Variant 2 did back in the day. Yeah, Even yeah. though, you know, in terms of the systems, it's much better what they did versus that terrible build queue in Master Variant 2. Yeah, I, I didn't like that queue either, but I don't know. Nobody it's, did. Yeah, it's just it's kind of it's just a shame because I think I think the new move got a decent amount right. But like like it's a good like I was saying, it's a good beginner for X, I think like it's a good stepping stone. Yeah, to the messaging on it was kind more. of not was kind of a bit weird to begin with because it was sending like, it didn't know if it wanted to be massive or massive Ryan two at the beginning. Yeah. And well, a lot, some people say that massive Ryan one looks cartoony. I don't think it looks that cartoony. Oh, really? In fact, I don't think it really looks that cartoony at all. I think it's more of a factor of just, you know, the graphics at the time. Yeah, sure. But, um, but, uh, yeah, it, 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 that was, oh. that was interesting how they sort of were going for the Master Variant 2 in practice 
but Master Ryan one in like the spirit of the style didn't make the most sense. To I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest with you. I think I had more fun with master of magic than master of Orion too. To be honest with you. Well, master of magic is fascinating in itself because oh. it's, ba- it's basically a halfway stepping stone between the two in a lot of ways, at least. Yeah. It's, it's such a weird unbalanced sandbox where you could like almost destroy the world. And it's yeah. great. <laughs> And, the, and what literally was the, what, destroy it. What was that last spell called? The spell of power? No, that you know, sort of the tech victory was was that was done well too, where you can sort of gang up on the person before he unleashes that. Um, the interesting oh, right. thing about Master of Magic, I think, was they ended up copying a lot of systems for Master of Orion One, but then. Uh, they end up uh, creating a lot of bugs on the realms beyond forums for Master of Magic. I'm uh, just navigating here. Uh, the, the you know the Caster of Magic project. Yeah, yeah. The guy that's doing that survey has this things like a comparison between Caster of Magic, Master of Magic. Caster of Magic's basically just. Uh, I think it's it's not a reverse engineered or a source port. I think it's just sort of he's modifying the binary and the data files. Uh, but he has like um, he has a list of all these different issues in terms of Master of Magic of things that got broken from Master of Ryan One. So there's certain diplomatic uh, stuff that just uh, is supposed to be possible that's impossible in Master of Magic, for example. But uh, that's just an interesting divergent. I'll try and f- diver- divergence. I'll try and find a link to that. But uh, yeah, I've, I've never actually played Caster Magic, but I have heard of it. I, I haven't sh- played it either. I, I should play it's, it. It's on the list. I'm too yeah. I'm very busy at the moment. Well, sure, I should play it because yeah. Master of Magic is so good. Mm-hmm. People have tried to get that particular. Yep. Uh, Use a phrase magic. magic in all the remake. Yeah. I was a background. Um, but but the nice the thing is they there are a few games that have actually I think captured Master of Magic pretty well. Like uh Age of Wonders, I think is the closest thing we've gotten. Mm. Uh, Agreed. Like even Planet Falls very Master of Magic y, even though it's sci fi. <laughs> <laughs> But back to your game. Um, so you were talking yeah, earlier. Sure. Okay. About, you, you were talking earlier about um, how it's easy to change all these variables. Does that mean modding is a possibility? Modding is a possibility, actually. Uh, a lot of stuff is exposed in plain text files, actually, and more stuff will probably be exposed in the future. So you can create new buildings, new technologies, new special devices, new weapons. You can modify the miniaturization curves, the cost for buildings. Uh, you can make it so that factories, uh, for example, don't increase cost linearly, but every increased cost with every sort of hundred or with every robotic control like Master Brian 1 does. So theoretically, you can probably, you know, uh, just with the data files, do something that's a lot more Mu one like than Dominus Galaxia is. And I'm pretty sure somebody's going to try and do that event. So that'll be interesting to see. Of course they will, because Mu one is such a classic. So you know yeah. someone's going to you know someone's going to do that. Absolutely. <laughs> that is awesome. 
Um, mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think of other questions. Uh, so right now you're on itch.io and you're going to be on Steam. Yes. That is the plan. Yeah, that, that's something I'm working out um, with Valve at the moment. Uh, it's, a, it's an entire thing. Um, so I'm on itch.io and sort of like uh, the idea is sort of um, how to say this uh, diplomatically. Um, I'm trying to do a Kickstarter in a more moral way i guess like um i'm not there are exceptions uh, i think but in generally i'm in general i'm not a very big fan of going hand in hand with just like a, ben, a little bit of concept art or a vertical slice especially for something right. as complex as a 4x game right and to be fair to be fair until you've tried to make a 4x game you have no idea how complex they actually are to make so a lot of it it probably is naivety, but um, it's no surprise it, or it's no secret that the 4X games have not had a good run at it at Kickstarter. And I think the people there mm-hmm. are fairly skeptical and jaded of new efforts now f- and for a good reason. Yeah, I can't even actually reason. really think of anything that I'd say that's a resounding success. Uh, Star Drive uh, might be the closest one. Although, you know, there was a little bit of drama there after the release. Oh, but, was um, there? Was there ever? Yeah. Oh, my God. But, you know, but, you know and, and the game got done, and it's a pretty good game, and the black box mm. mod makes it really uh, a lot better as well. And say what you will about Danny, it's like, uh, you know, the fact that he can do that much work that fast on his own is nothing short of amazing. Yeah, that's fair. That's and uh, and I mean, if you backed Star, I'd ra- I'd much rather back Star Drive than uh, having backed more, uh, for example. Uh, uh, I, I, th- I, th- I think Dan gets, a li- I think oh. Dan gets a little bit of a bad rap personally. But, well, um, I mean, it's not hundred percent. But, but, too, but I mean, full disclosures. I I do talk with Dan sometimes, uh, so uh, it's not wholly undeserved at the same time. But uh, yeah, more is another. Uh, oh, I think um, was a predestination had a fairly successful uh, Kickstarter. They had a fairly successful Kickstarter. Yeah, I, I haven't. Again, I don't. I want to be careful talking about other games. That's fair. Uh, but uh, well, I don't have to. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. But uh, you know, just uh, in terms of um, the screenshots. Uh, how uh, how how to put this? Uh, it's uh, Dominus Galaxy has a rustic charm, and it could look better. True. But uh, fair. Um, but uh, yeah, predestination it looks like they. I don't know. Maybe they can one day sort of do something with the UI because it it doesn't look very. It it looks kind of. It's all right. It's a fun yeah, game, but okay. the UI. I'm just, I'm, I'm just struggling to be diplomatic here. No, the, the UI but, could be better. I mean, it's a fun game. I enjoyed my time with it, but yeah, I mean. It's it's one of the like there have been such a there has been right. such a glut of space well, forex over the last three years. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll put it one way, right? So mm-hmm. predestination wasn't a failure, but it's not a glowing success story either. That's it's true. not like it's not that's an true. FTL. It's not something that set that stands apart as an exemplar oh, uh, for this is what right. space forex games can do. We don't have that exemplar yet. Worlds of Magic was disappointing. More was oh, disappointing. Man. Lords of Fragile failed. There was a great game. There was a great campaign. It was something like slower than light. Oh, where God. the idea 
Yeah, 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 yeah. That, I backed that one. That one, that, that was like I, I didn't know about it. I totally would have if I had uh, seen it. But I, but uh, the fact that that failed just tore me to shreds because uh, I, I've actually had the same idea. And I think it's just has so much strategic potential in there. That the 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 communications delay thing, especially if you can have oh like your God, own physical yeah. presence in the universe and your flagship and move it around to be closer to battles and stuff. And that's all. Sorry, I'm going way too fast no, now, but it's, it's like fine. the perfect solution to micromanagement uh, if you do it correctly. Because you know, if 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 your message takes a certain amount of time to get to the far reaches of your of your of your domain, then by the time it gets there, it's not really that uh, pertinent and might be doing more harm than good. So you need to delegate, and that opens up like this entire huge smorgasbord of awesome strategic stuff where you need to choose the people that you put there that are where you have tension between trustworthiness and ability and you could do stuff like jam the uh, jam, the uh, transmissions from a battle so that people don't know what's happening. Uh, you could send out battle fleets and only find out if they're successful after the fact, or you could lead them yourself, but put yourself at risk. Oh, it's just, it's just, it's just a, uh, it's just yeah. such a ripe, ripe, ripe ground to have gameplay with. And that yeah. guy's game looked so cool. It and did. He, he, it did. he like raised barely anything, didn't he? Sorry, phone. That's okay. We, we had them on the podcast back in the day. Oh yeah. I, I would, I would love to do a podcast with that person because I think, oh, because again, great- I, I've thought about, I've, I thought about that game after he did it, but I didn't know about it yet and found out about it just fairly recently. And I thought, Oh my goodness, this guy did the game. One of the games that I want to do, but he wasn't able to make it work. Uh, and that guy should have gotten like a hundred thousand dollars worth of funding a couple of years earlier. He probably would have. There's, there's, it's not a 4X specifically, but it's kind of XCOM-y, but in Earth orbit. And it kind of reminds me of slow and, Slower Than Light, but I cannot... Was it Remnant? Is it the Log War Mod guys? No, the, no, no. Is it Remnant? Do, do you guys Remnant. remember? That, that rings a bell. Spaz, you're a hunter. Do you guys remember that one? Not offhand. Yeah, my brain's not... Uh, no, nope. I can't remember. Remnant but, from the ashes? No, 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 no. That's not it. About, no, that's no. not it. Um, but there was a there is a game. It was kickstarted and it was successful, yeah. I believe. Where it's kind of XCOM-y with some four XE in it, but it's in Earth orbit, and there's actual fighter combat in it. It looks. I cannot for the life of me remember the bloody name. Ah, oh, God, it'll come to me at four in the morning. That's when it'll come to me. Um. But anyway, but yeah, no, you, yeah. I, I, I feel for you because one, you're entering a very crowded space Two, you're, you're entering a space that is pretty, I don't know if people are burnt out on four X's, but there were a lot of four X's over the last few years and not all of them were great. I mean, only a few of them were great. Most of them were honest. Yeah. A lot of them I, weren't. I, uh, I only think that there's like three great 4x games yeah yeah in the past few <laughs> those, years been those like, are star civilization and master but uh i'm 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 like uh well i mean that's yeah, an ex- those, that's that's admittedly an extreme view those are the cream of the crop but i'm talking over the last few yeah. years there were some really good ones but there were also a lot of eh, mostly forgettable ones yeah and it's uh brian were you thinking of interstellar prime Oh, interstellar space genesis. Yeah, no, no actually, no, that's no, like, no, 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 no. That's actually prime is the one oh. I was mentioning. 
Oh, because that because was kickstarted. It was successful. Yeah, Maybe? ISG wasn't, but as far as a Massive Orion two type game goes, I I haven't played Sword Sword Stars and Shadows yet, but I really liked what I, the ISG guys did with colony management. Yeah, I really did too. I really because like, like uh, so. So here's sort of the issue, I think, with the Mu-1 Dominus Galaxia slider-based stuff is that, um, te- you know, colony management or city management for 4X games, I, I, you might even say all 4X games to date, isn't very strategic or strategic at all. It's almost a purely internal optimization problem. Uh, but if you take it out of the game, then the game doesn't feel like it has meat. It sort of tricks you into thinking that there's strategic depth where there isn't. Uh, but with most of the implementations out there, they end up scaling really terrible, and 4X games are all about scaling out. So you end up with Massive Ryan 2, and it's interesting when you have three colonies, and when you have 30, it's just uh, it's just hell. Um, at the same time, when you only have two or three colonies in Massive 2, that's a lot of when you only have two or three colonies in Massive Ryan 1. And it just is. And again, that's the beauty of Master Variety 2 is it draws you into the world. Um, it, everything feels more concrete and you feel like you're part of this li- living, breathing thing. But uh, so the issue with streamlined colony management is the opposite. It's not very interesting, even though it scales really well. And the guys with ISG, I don't think it's a very strategic system. I don't think any colony management system yet done is very strategic stars might come kind of close with the metal uh that might be the best one but uh they did a great job sort of (coughs) um threading the needle between scaling well and being narratively and um, you know conceptually interesting and fun to click on things and probably a better job than Dominus Galaxy, which goes extremely in the other direction of just make everything as efficient at scale as well as possible. Now, my white whale is more... My white whale is sort of to try and make a colony management system that does have strategic depth, that does have sort of these external influences to it. And I have some ideas there, but nothing quite yet that I'm ready to share. But if I have enough funding and I have enough time to do it, it's something that I'd like to explore, probably as an optional mode, since um, I know a lot of Master of Orion 1 fans will sort of like the Master of Orion 1 uh, style colony management, but it's something I certainly want to try one day. Oh, that's totally fair. By the way, the game was Remnant. Yes, you just posted a link in our channel. I remember this now. Yes, yes, yes. So that's the closest thing I could think of to Slower Than Light, which yeah. I also am crushingly upset didn't make it. Uh. And there, this Remnant Kickstarter looks great. And so, and I've let's see, uh, they've they only raised sixty four hundred around Canadian dollars. Uh, you, yeah. you probably see it in American dollars. I'm Canadian, so I see it in. But right. like in 2015, this hundred fifty thousand dollar project. Yeah, I mean, pretty easily. He says it looks better than Moore it. does. Yeah, or it, its it campaign looks much better than. Uh, I'm still upset about Moore raised a ton of money, and it's dead, right? Isn't it dead? I think it's dead. It's, 
as far as I'm aware, it's totally dead. Yeah. Um, he, well, he, the main person ended up getting a whole bunch of outside uh, funding, but then that dried up and he just couldn't continue, I think. Yeah, that always pisses me off when that happens. Well, it gets me, uh, and it, well, again, I, I've sort of, maybe I should try and be more diplomatic, but uh, despite the fact that everybody's so jaded and skeptical, it seems like a lot of people are making the same mistakes. Did you see the Day of Dragons Kickstarter recently? The what? No. Day, uh, day, day of, of Dragons? Day of Dragons. Day of Dragons. Yeah. Uh, it's, a un- it's an Unreal that got randomly covered by a YouTuber with a whole bunch of, uh, with a whole bunch of uh, subscribers and then raised $500,000. Oh, my and God. And they don't even have a pitch video. Oh my god! I see That's it. Kind of there's bad. there's a website. So I, I I hate I I hate to call this out because again they've raised five hundred thousand dollars. They could literally hire a team and make this game. This game might come out and it might be awesome. It's entirely possible. But if you look at there's like a web page that sort of goes over it and like uh, they even I think uh, there might be some evidence that they stole some other art. Um, Oh no! Uh, to well, most of it's asset flip, but like they repurpose somebody else's like promotional uh, image or something like, and they're and I think they might have banned some people as well from their reddits. But um, there's a whole bunch of red flags. But they raised a lot of money based on sort of <sighs> the typical thing that everybody has uh, become jaded about, which is coming into Kickstarter with you know with uh, only this very thinnest of vertical slices or basically, you know, sort of like the cardboard. uh, There's a specific word for it that I forget, but, you know, like a cardboard set uh, or a cardboard town, uh, Hmm. like that episode of Star Trek. Or Blazing blazing Saddles. Yeah, yeah. But... um, yeah, it's it's a little bit uh, interesting that everybody seems super jaded because of these things that have happened in the past that had the same red flags, but you do a project nowadays, and if you ha- make a lot of, you know, you try and hype it up and make a lot of, uh, you know, promises that and. I also think there's something about being more abstract where the more abstract you are, the more that players can sort of think of what their version of what they want to see is and place it in there. Yeah. Probably helps a little bit with the crowdfunding, but uh, yeah, that, that, uh, that was interesting to see lately. Uh, like it's, it's still, that amazes me. Like I'm still amazed elite got made because I don't know if you elite, remember, oh. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember their Kickstarter. Elite dangerous. It was, it was, it was crap. Their Kickstarter. I don't remember the Kickstarter. I bought it afterwards. Oh, the Kickstarter was garbage. They didn't have a video. They barely had Ooh. any images. It was it was garbage. It was utter garbage. And yet, somehow, somehow, <laughs> that damn thing got made. <laughs> I kind of wish it hadn't, but whatever. Uh, no, you don't like it. I, it's such an empty experience. Like at first when you're like, Oh my God, I'm in a ship. This looks amazing. 
And then you start getting money and you start getting other ships like, okay, what else is there to do? Get more money at another, at another ship? Oh, okay. Like, Isn't that sort of par for the course for Elite, though? Uh, it do, it doesn't have to be. It, do, it In, in yeah. 1984, maybe. <laughs> but in 2014, there's okay. so much... I don't know. Like, after things... It. After things like, but, but hey, they what? they shipped a game, and this is true, and they're uh, and but, you know they have they they obviously you know. I don't know. About, I, I think that's I th- I I don't have any problems with the the elite dangerous campaign. Maybe they could have done it better, but it, again, like it was a different time back then. You could put up that's a campaign without a pitch video, and you could get a whole bunch of money from it. It was like nowadays, so, it's pretty hard. I, I think Star Citizen hadn't even finished yet when they launched their campaign. Mm. Well, finish their Kickstarter. That probably didn't help them. Uh, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Yeah. Oh, but like, so you have such a struggle, and I, I feel for you, man. That's why I'm, I'm, we're happy to help by having you on the show. Hopefully, that'll get some more eyes. Well, on thanks. I mean, at the same time, I feel a little bit self-conscious, like if I'm just sort of bitching about it, because chances are, just looking at the projections, there's a there, the chances are that I do reach my pledge amount um, that I need, but it's it's certainly not a for sure fire thing. And I was sort of hoping right. that I'd you know have a little bit more by now. But no, it's the, totally the hard thing is visibility. Um, I kind of suspected before I started it that I was going to end up getting a lot of small pledges, and that everybody would be asking me to remake the game in the and it sort of ended up being the opposite where I got not, I don't have very many pledges. I'm just a bit over 200, but I have a number, but uh, I have a number of people like pledging at the uh, 85, one, $185, $250 tiers. Uh, so more, more of that than I was expecting. And everybody is super excited and everybody seems to be enjoying the game on itch. At least the people that are commenting, there's probably some, some amount of reporter bias there but um i'm glad for that but yeah it's yeah, it's, it's still sort of well if you're getting it, more- it's still i still you know i'm struggling to get the visibility up there oh well and, that's, uh, and that's that indeed. actually brings me to right. so this actually started off as a tangent because i'm on it going on steam um so right well, now i'm yeah. in a little bit of a kerfuffle i guess with valve what? Because uh, on yeah on itch, um, basically it's it's a full it's almost a full game. It's the beta. It's non restricted. It's the same thing that I'm playing. I'm not holding anything back. It's just a few rough edges. But there's a button that says, "Hey, check out our Kickstarter." And when you end and when you exit, there's a splash screen that says, "By the way, you can back us on Kickstarter if you want, or or not, just exit." But uh, uh, th- apparently this is verboten on Steam. What? Uh, yeah. Uh, I've actually seen other games do it in the past. Uh, Overload, you know, the, uh, yeah. the Parallax guys? Yeah, yeah. The, Their playable teaser had both, uh, I believe, uh, both did. the splash screen it, and the it button. To- it totally did. Yeah, it 2016. Totally did. Now, of course, um, the the ironic thing is that if I were more paranoid and had just submitted my build without that and then added it after the fact, nobody would have noticed. Uh, but now that it is, it leaves me in a bit of a situation because I can put it on steam 
and I'm sure it'll get a lot of traction on Steam. It's basically the storefronts approved. I'm just waiting for the build approval and going back and forth on whether they'll let me put that version up. Uh, I'm If I put it up there, I have a feeling that thousands of people will play it, maybe tens of thousands. And there's no way to communicate really that there's a Kickstarter going on. And... You know, I said I was uh, told just recently. You know, you can put it up on uh, on your community page that you have a Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of like say, yeah, yeah. Okay, if I roll a hundred sided die and they just happen to check the community community page, uh, uh, and, well, you know, the natural an announcement. Yeah, if you post if an you announcement, post announcement, that'll be it goes on up on our page. Yeah, and they oh, okay. can see that. Yeah, yeah, they can definitely see that. That, that. that might help. Then actually, I I'd actually. So I'll, I'll actually I'll do a bit of a mea culpa there and say maybe that wasn't such a extreme idea that they had as I as I thought it was at the time. And I, I've been thinking, you know, I'm sort of still waiting to hear back. I doubt that they'll change their mind on it, but I'm you know trying to think of ways to sort of uh, not violate that rule. It's like uh, the exact rule I think they're saying is you can't have uh, what was it can't uh have like a message i'm i'm going to just uh do this um not the exact same thing that they're saying but you basically can't have like asking for support or whatever so i might try and do something like hey by the way we have a big news item uh head on to our forum or onto our discord and you know yeah and, that might and ask that about might it or something like that but uh yeah that that's a little bit disappointing difficult it is to get the visibility and how much i need and on top of that you know you need to pay the uh, steam submission fee even for a free game which is interesting um so the so if you have battle for west on steam for everybody to enjoy you need to pay a hundred bucks for a paid game after you make a thousand bucks they give you that deposit back but for a free game you can never make the deposit back yeah i know there's good reason for that though the oh, reason yeah, no. why they do that, yeah, yeah it's because otherwise you're, you're getting loaded and, with crap. Cards and achievements, because because the aftermarket for cards, mm-hmm. you can make money off of the cards without actually having yeah. anything put into the game itself. Well, what I separately suggested, because I don't think it's fair that people like Battle for Westnoth have to pay Steam money to put their awesome game on their platform, which will benefit the platform. Uh, and I don't know if you know anybody will listen, but what I suggested is. Uh, the hundred dollar fee still makes sense for free games as a gatekeeping function, but there should be some way if if a paid game can get their back, a free game that you're giving out out of the goodness of your heart should too. So maybe that's after you have a certain amount of reviews or a certain amount of people playing it or downloads. But ideally, there you know there'd be some sort of different metric that they used for the free ones, especially the you know those open source things that are completely free. Like my thing that's right. advertising my game, like that makes actually more sense that you'd charge me a hundred bucks because I'm, you know, I'm getting something out of it. But ba- the Battle for Westnoth guys or Vegas Strike, whatever free game that you that you want to put out there, uh, something just seems a little bit off. Well, Steam is a weird platform. I mean, we all have to use it, and we wish it was better. But I feel, I feel. I feel for anyone, any developer who gets on Steam because visibility, like you were saying, is just a nightmare. 
Uh, yeah. It's just an absolute nightmare, and they don't care. They well, don't care the, the good all. thing is you only need to go viral. Huh? The good thing is you only need to go viral once. Oh, once. Right. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. But I, I can't imagine it's easy to get to that point. <laughs> oh, it's hard to say. I mean, maybe some people know how to crack the code, but it, it's possible it could happen with Dominus Galaxia in the next few days. Hard to say. You just need the right. You just need the right or the right post. Or well, I mean, you're you're updating your you're you're sending out relatively regular uh, updates to the Kickstarter, which is good. And yeah, uh, and updating the build as well. Which, yeah, exactly. And it's, it's nice to have good. it's nice to have so many testers. Like my my uh, the game Discord is more busy than it's ever been. People are talking oh, wow. all the time. I have over a hundred people on there now. So oh wow, and a lot of them came from the Kickstarter. Uh, and that's that's awesome. Like, uh, even if the that Kickstarter ends up failing and it's not a complete loss, it's uh, because it's definitely improved my visibility and yeah. has built a community around it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you could try again in six months for a th- with a thirty day Kickstarter. Yeah, we'll um, see. I need to find something to some way to survive until then, or maybe three months. I don't know, but you don't want to try right away. Um, I don't think, but hard to hard to say. I think you. Yeah. I think I would need to. Yeah. So at it, that point, it, I might be more desperately searching for a publisher because of, just because of the time frame. Fair. That's totally fair. And there's some great publishers out there. Um, mm-hmm. No question, like Iceberg and whatnot. A lot of a lot of great little publishers out there. Um, so, folks, the uh, the game is. Uh, we should probably wrap up. The game is Dominus Galaxia. It's as we've been saying, currently on Kickstarter. Uh, it is probably one of the finest Master of One Orion One clones uh, homages is probably a better word that you will find. Uh, it's you can play a beta of it now. It's on itch, and it's it's really fun. I mean, it's not complete. There's only two. There's only two races you can play, but there's not just two races in the game. Uh, there, but there's there's only two races you could play. Although um, you can pretty easily mod the other ones to be playable just by using oh. the graphics from the two that are. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> um, but the the great thing about it is, like, I'm finding as I get older, I need games to play a little quicker and respect my time because I don't have all the time in the world. And the great thing about a Master of Orion one style game is it plays fast. You're exploring, you're colonizing, you're fighting, you're boom, boom, boom. There's none of this, oh, but I need to build a metal mine over here. I need to build a research lab over there and blah, blah, blah. Nope, none of that crap. It is refreshing. (laughs) It is really refreshing to find a game that, doesn't want you to drown in the minutia of the typical 4X with all of its little fiddly bits. Uh, so it's, it's, it's really a nice, refreshing change of pace. And it makes you wonder why more people didn't copy the Master of Orion 1 formula uh, because it's such a good formula. Um, but yeah, it's kickstarting right now as we speak. When does it end as we're recording this? Uh, when does it well, end? It was supposed to end... Um Basically midnight on the twenty seventh, but I accidentally put the twenty sixth. So it's actually ending at 
1 a.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time on the 27th, which would be midnight on. Sorry, what? Sorry, no, That's... 1 a.m. Matt. Sorry, yeah, sorry, midnight attending midnight Pacific Standard on the 26th, which is 1 a.m. where I. Which is, on the 27th. which is what that's uh that's uh that's, saturday night next saturday night that's next oh yeah next saturday night uh so you have a week and a half to check this yeah. out there's um, actually a funny story okay, it was canadian okay. thanksgiving yesterday we have our thing oh happy thanksgiving different time so just uh you know to randomly curious i was like when was uh, american thanksgiving and so i googled and i see the 26th and i'm like oh my god this is not this is not good no 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 but november november, november, november. Yeah. november. Yeah, yeah 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 so i had a little bit of a mini heart attack oh no <laughs> <laughs> no 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 we don't we don't have yeah. thanksgiving in october that would be no nope. that would be very weird for us because we are so <laughs> used to thanksgiving being about a month before christmas and if thanksgiving yeah. was before halloween I, I think that would really throw people. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> <laughs> we would re- we would really be thrown if that happened. But yeah, folks, uh, the Kickstarter is happening right now. It, the 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 fee. I mean, what they're what what Jeff is asking for is modest. It's not hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, but it, it, uh, I would I wouldn't be uh, torn up if I were to race that much. Right, but I mean, I, what I'm saying is, every every little bit helps, especially with a modest mm-hmm. uh, goal like this one. Every little bit helps. So uh, go go check it out. Go to itch. Uh, there's a link on the Kickstarter. The uh, and there'll be a link in the podcast. There, there's a link in the Kickstarter. There's a link in the video. There's a hit the here. There's a going to be a link on the uh, MP3 page where you can go the itch.io and you can go to the Kickstarter and you can download the beta and try it out yourself. It is quite fun. Even though it is not complete, uh, it is easy to jump into. If you've ever played Master of Orion 1, it's like riding a bicycle. It is really just like, oh, yeah, I remember. Missile base is right. This is great. And, uh, <laughs> oh, got to put some money in research. Woohoo! But I don't get to pick all the research all the time. Like... I like it's kind of like oh you might get this and you might get that. It's really a fun semi-randomized thing, which makes it much more vibrant. So it has really got a lot of potential, and we really want to see it succeed. So please check out the Kickstarter uh, if you can, and if you can pledge, that's even better. But at least try the beta. At least try the beta. That's free. At least go to itch.io and try the beta. So a couple of quick, you know, notes before I wrap up. Um, tomorrow on the stream, we are going to be uh, returning to EF2000 uh, in the morning, which is very exciting because EF2000 is so freaking great. Um, Thursday, we're returning to Far Cry 2 in the morning. And then on Thursday afternoon for the land party, we're returning to uh, Dying Light. Which is always a good time. Uh, always a good time. If I, if I may. Yes. Sundays. Sundays. Oh, yes, of course. Go ahead. Um, on Sundays, I know this isn't Space Game Junkies, but <clears throat> on Sundays, I, on, on, my, on my Twitch channel, I do a Star Wars Sunday stream from 5 p.m. Eastern time until whenever, <laughs> usually six, six-ish hours at least. Of just nonstop uh, Star Wars gameplay. Six um, hours. 
Yeah, I've been I've been going pretty long, and it's actually oh been pretty my. engaging and pretty Oof. pretty entertaining. So it's kind of been my stress relief. We've had good interactions. We've had a few people uh, in there in the chat just you know talking all things Star Wars. Uh, whether you like something, you don't like something, you love something, <laughs> loathe something, you know, we're all there to chat and and uh, have a good time and just enjoy uh, all things Star Wars. So. Um, Twitch.tv slash the underscore table for two, if you're interested. Sounds and, great. Yeah, and uh, I've 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 been able to stop by at least one stream, and I had a lot of fun. Um, and Kotor, you can't go wrong with Kotor. You just you cannot go wrong yeah. with Kotor. So that's, Kotor, uh, that's, Kotor two. That's uh, well, I'm going through Kotor one right now, and the yeah. objective is to finish that one and then move on to the second one. Make sure that you use the restoration pack. I already got it queued up. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Yep. 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 I, that's the only way to play KOTOR 2, if I recall correctly. Um, yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. yeah. And then Somebody next. Somebody needs to make a restoration pack for Sword of the Stars 2. Oh, God. Right. Uh, and then, folks, finally, next week on the podcast, we are going to uh, kind of have an award show looking back at the decade. Uh, we're going to talk about the best game of the, 2000, of the teens. The worst game, uh, things like best soundtrack, you know, stuff like that. We're gonna basically kind of have our own little award show, and uh, the, the, some of the winners might surprise you. Mass <laughs> uh, so, Effect Andromeda is in the running. It is. Oh, no. it, it is <laughs> not. It's, it's, in, it's in the running for it, worst game of the decade. <laughs> worst. Well, they tried some interesting <laughs> stuff, though. I mean, well, it's a little lad. I, I mean, we could go it. off on another tangent. We could go off on another tangent about uh, Andromeda. But I, <laughs> the, the short, short, short version is Andromeda wasn't that bad after they patched it. That's anyway. true, actually. Anyway, anyway, finish so, up, Brian. Well, so, take us home. So, uh, as always, we want to thank our Patreon supporters for supporting us uh, via Patreon. You help keep the lights on around here, help pay for things like the green screen I use every day. Uh, if you want to learn how to support Space Game Junkie and make it a full-time endeavor, which is what we're trying to gear towards, you can go to spacegamejunkie.com support, and you'll find links to Patreon, uh, our merch store, a Teespring, affiliate links if you want to buy a thing on Humble uh, that kicks us a few bucks, you know, that sort of thing. So it's all there at spacegamejunkie.com support. Uh, plus on spacegamejunkie.com, we also have news and all sorts of things. It's, it's, it's a pretty fun site. Uh, links to our Discord, which if you haven't visited our Discord, you should. It's a, it's a, such a great Discord. And uh, I don't want to be too promotional, so we're going to wrap it up here. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening and engaging and watching. And if you can, go to the Dominus Galaxia Kickstarter and back it. At the very least, download the beta and try it. And then back it. Uh <laughs> And if you can't back it, tell your friends. Yes, you know, exactly. Maybe That's you know someone who's much, interested. Let, yeah. let them know so they Thank can back you. it if they can. Good point. Very good point. I always forget about the tell your friends thing. Don't tell your friends about Space Game Junkie, too. I never say that. But, yes, please tell your friends about that, too. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us tonight. And we will see you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Pacific with some EF2000. Have a great day, y'all. Bye-bye.